0: Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by me, I'm Simon, and I run the Bonjour Agency. If you work in an independent school, then this is the podcast for you, where we don't talk about work, but we do talk to people in the independent school sector. Now, today we have a great guest. I've been really looking forward to this episode. David Harkin is the CEO of 8 Billion Ideas, a business that's on a mission to give students the skills and belief to change the world. I got that from his website. You've probably seen him on social media, usually delivering a keynote speech somewhere in the world, or maybe on TV. He's been on various news programs. Anyway, we break the rules slightly here by spending a few minutes talking about work, not so that David can sell 8 billion ideas to you, but because I wanted to ask him about starting a business. Because some of you listening to this right now would also like to leave where you work and do your own thing to follow your own mission. So to understand a smidge about David's business, what they do there, is a helpful thing when applying that to your own life. So we talk about David leaving IBM to start this running a business while you have young children. We talk about running. We talk about dogs. It's a great recording and I think you're going to love it. So come with me as we dive into this recording and speak to the CEO of 8 Billion Ideas. It's David Harkin. David, thank you for joining us and welcome to I'd Rather Be at the Beach. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, Simon. I would like to be, rather be at the beach with the rain uh, today in London, but I'm very well. Thank you very much. And thanks for the invite for joining you.
0: Well, it's, it's good to see you here, especially this early in the morning. There we are, 7.40 in the morning. That's, that's, a, that's a good time of the day. A late
1: start, Simon, a late start. Well, look, Normally I'm in here at sort of half six and uh, get get going. I love that kind of early, early few hours. But yeah, I guess it's still morning for a few people, early morning for a few.
0: Do you live close to work in that case?
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky, actually. So the the businesses are based in London and uh, and in Dubai, and then but I. Have an office about five minutes from the house, which I can walk to, which is my studio setup. So it's really convenient. I can, you know, maybe fifteen minutes ago, I was finishing off with the the Frosties and uh, the Weetabix with the with the boys at home, and then and then dashing into the office. So it's really nice. So when I'm here in the UK, I'm obviously in the office seeing, seeing the team, but I, I can get my head down when I'm in my studio office near, near my house and just uh, absolutely go berserk with the meetings from, from fairly early on. So uh,
0: yeah. Quite lucky, it's only down the road. Tell us a bit about eight billion ideas. I mean, what what is it actually all about?
1: So we are on a mission to give students the skills and belief to go change the world. We love our mission. Uh, we've never met a child who doesn't have an amazing imagination, but every child is on a different journey with the amount of skills and indeed belief that they might have. So we uh, we operate in what we call the critical curriculum space. So I don't like the phrase. Extra curriculum uh, because we concentrate on teaching students about entrepreneurship, career education, skills for the future, and our latest collaboration with uh, Sir Clive Woodward, which some of your listeners might have heard, is around performance and well-being. So there's no way we can call that stuff extra. That is very much critical to every child, whatever their ambition. So developing that entrepreneurial mindset, having a broader uh, vision about what your career could unfold and do, having a fundamental creativity and problem-solving. So they're fundamentally the two skills that we we we've I think it's core to every every career and every child out there and that performance and wellbeing stuff that we're doing, we, we love. So that's where we operate and we do it in lots of different ways in schools from week to week, drop down days. We're an ed tech and services company kind of combined. So that's why we've got schools using us in a virtual and hybrid way as well as a more traditional live way. So lots of things we do. 4 to 18 space, cross curriculum, cross sector, cross geography at the moment. So lots of lots of exciting projects uh, around the world and we absolutely love what we do.
0: Well, it sounds like it. I mean, there's a lot of passion and enthusiasm coming through in your voice. And a mission like that is a great mission to have. And and I love the way that you started off just by explaining what the mission is of the company, not talking about the nuts and bolts. But let's just imagine for a second, someone's listening to this, maybe they work in a school and they're thinking, right, so how does that actually look? You know, how does it? How do you, you mentioned it's delivered in different ways. Does the school sort of sign up to a programme that you do? Is that, the, is that the way it works?
1: Yeah, it, it firstly begins with, does everybody agree with the mission? And number one, good. Number two, you get into the four pillars that we focus on. And often you see a school going, well, we really want to drive and take entrepreneurship to be more strategic or our career education isn't where we want to be or all four of those pillars, those pillars we want to work on. So you kind of take the conversation forward forward. And then you get into how, and effectively you've got two challenges there. You've got time and budget. So time's the biggest problem in education as well as budget. So often it's, okay, let's start breaking it down year by year. Are there opportunities to work week to week? So if there are opportunities to work week for week, then we have a service and a programme, particularly in Key Stage 3, where we're built in timetable. So the sweet spot for us, it, where we work weeks a week is year seven to year nine. And that's where children are going to school on a Tuesday morning, their first lesson might be mass, then it's eight billion ideas in history, but the eight bill lesson is done in a different way. It's done through the screen in the classroom with the teacher helping to be a facilitator. So we're effectively taking over that lesson each week Week in, in a school timetable, and schools are beginning to partner with us to help us there. Now, that's more of a challenge because that's being built in timetable. So, traditionally, the easiest kind of uh, adoption that we have with schools is looking at our drop down days, our kind of challenges programs where they use us at the end of term, beginning of term. Students come off timetable for a day or two and they take part in eight billion ideas programs. And what we do with the school is design them. So, what do they look like from year one to year 13, even if we have one day a year with students? So, all opt- Always starts with the mission, goes back to the pillars where they want to focus, then we have enough flexibility in our portfolio to be able to answer the question, how, depending on, uh, depending on time and depending on budget. And that's why every programme we have with a school looks different. It's one of our strengths. <laughs> Sometimes it can be a challenge. Uh, schools school is understanding how to work with us when we do so much. But we we like having that as a strength because it means that whenever we sit down with a, a head or a principal, if there's a will, there's a way, we always find a way of starting and we kind of build it up over over a period of time.
0: It's interesting you mentioned about building it into the timetable like that, because I imagine that in the past, this kind of activity has been, you know, very much like it after school or during lunchtime, or maybe, you know, this this is a special one-off session that we're going to do on this kind of thing. Whereas this is much more about embedding it into just everyday learning in school. Do you think that historically we've got things wrong by focusing on too much of the things like, I don't know, the Battle of Agincourt in history and, and things like, and calculus in, in maths? and not focusing really historically on on this kind of thing at all.
1: Yeah, look, I I think schools are are brilliantly busy places. They've got so much going on in them and there's so many demands that every single day we expect the magic wand to come out. Uh, But occasionally we need to get on and not in our schools and and that's particularly at a government level as well. Just going, are are we we doing too much? Are we asking too much? And the stuff that we're asking, is it the right things? And the answer is, of course, yes. We're trying to do too much. We're trying to cram too much into the diary. And given that the economy has... Shifted so much in the last three years, in particular, that like pre, you know, we've literally seen industries destroyed and, and redefined. But we've seen new industries created out of the pandemic. That we've got to have a different view of what we do when children are in, in school. Um, and we and we we've, we've got to do more of the stuff that we're concentrating on. Um, you know, if you just take entrepreneurship as a pillar, one of our focuses. Schools produce more entrepreneurs than any other profession. One in five of our students in schools today will go on and start a business and be an entrepreneur. But, you know, we're certainly not spending 20% of our time in in, in school uh, talking about that. We're lucky if it's 2 or 3% in most children's uh, calendar year. So... We do need to find time. I do believe that the examination system has a place to stay. I think a reduced set of exams is is the key. I'd like to see students leave school with more passion portfolios or invention portfolios to have a bit more of a dynamic conversation. And I do think we've got a big challenge with that um, school, um, school bell which is killing creativity um you know every time that bell goes off every 15 minutes we move on to the next thing how can a child get into any kind of creative flow and learn and learn that you know how how powerful their imagination is um i do believe there's a there's a big discussion there at least one day a week where that timetable is thrown out the window and students are really getting into some sort of flow each week to week could could do some quite amazing things for our young people if we if we start thinking big enough
0: David, when did you start this business and what were you doing beforehand?
1: So we actually, um, I'd say 8 Billion Ideas um, is, so some of us might have heard heard of a, a business called 7 Billion Ideas. So pre the pandemic, we had kicked off and was running a, a services company in education which was teaching uh, teaching entrepreneurship so we had a number of courses just a small handful of courses that we were teaching into schools um, and then when the pandemic hit uh, then everything went out of the window in terms of uh, the model the engagement we had to completely rethink our approach and that's when 8 billion ideas was born effectively uh, two years ago now we're coming up to our second birthday in a couple of a couple of weeks time so I kind of see my life so far in, in terms of different chapters I was I was working in IBM when i left university so i was a history graduate dyslexic history graduate so loved my time at university but then i went straight into the technology sector working for ibm i was there for six or seven years on the director's path, but had this kind of itch that uh, I wanted to get into education. I was passionate about education. And then by chance came up with the idea for 7 Billion Ideas, which is my first step. So what I did was I needed to buy time. I needed to, to get out of the corporate space and get into education while saving for a house, getting ready to get married, doing all that kind of stuff. So I um, I used all of my holidays, so a 25 days holiday, and I negotiated to go on compressed hours uh, with IBM. So I was the one of the first first male uh, employees in the UK because women coming back from maternity leave were going on compressed hours and I thought maybe I could see if I could go on compressed hours to go nick 52 extra days. So my Friday I could have effectively off to work on the business but actually really just invest my time in going into schools and understanding how they operated. So it went from ibm it was nicking that 77 days worth of time so that 52 days every friday and that 25 days holiday i invested that for a couple of years getting into education leaped into starting seven bill pandemic came along and then and then actually it was a really good time not a really good time it was a horrendous time to be a business owner <laughs> absolutely horrendous but it was a, it was a good time to rethink and go okay what's education going to look like post the pandemic um, and there was a, f- a few things which started right at the beginning, you know, with people like Joe Wicks, what he was doing for PE and there was other things going on. I thought, hang on, tech could really change in a couple of years time. And that's when we kind of bet, you know, I'd say we, we put a bet on um, a, a bill, uh, an ed tech and services blended company would be the right thing to do coming out of the pandemic. And uh, so far, you know, so good.
0: You mentioned about putting a bet on 8 Bill, but actually leaving the world of IBM, I mean, IBM would have been a very safe kind of career to have. And you mentioned about having an itch to do something in in the education space. But nevertheless, you know, looking at this yourself from your, you know, the fact that you've got a family, the fact that you need to provide, then, you know, what you're walking away from there is a very safe bet.
1: Yeah, it was. The thing is, I felt I felt claustrophobic. I felt. Um, I remember there was a a turning point. I had this itch, and there was this big conference, and there was about four hundred people there. And I, I won't talk about what what was being talked about. Um, but I remember being in the room, just going, I can't breathe. It like I'm feeling like I need to get out of this space because if I if I'm in this space too much, it's going to kill. My kind of ambition, my creativity, what I wanted to do. And and that that, that was a bit where I thought this is really this is time to, to really start exiting. And then I did an assembly in the school for the first time in a primary school. Absolutely loved it. And and then it became a no brain assignment, to be honest. But it was interesting. I had to, despite my age, I wasn't a young young man or an old old man. I had, I had to go. I felt like I needed to go get the blessing of my mum and dad as my mum, dad. You know, I'm I'm doing well. I've been telling you about this great stuff I've been doing in IBM, but I'm going to go and go build this business now. And my my dad's quite, you know, he's quite reserved. He kind of paused and looked at me and he described it in a perfect way. He said, I guess, David, and he was trying to sell it to himself. He said, this is like a real life MBA. He said, "Um, what you're about to do is leave a very safe job, go start something in a, in a completely new industry. So just promise me that you put a time cap on this of about three years, which would be what you would do if you go study an MBA and write everything down that you ever learned, the successes and the win, wins. And if it's not working and you're not getting the traction you need, and it's beginning to put too much pressure on you, you know, at the time, your family, which might come along and stuff, then go back because it'd be three years and you can get back into the corporate space and it'd be fine. So he's, he kind of helped me position it in my head. It was like a real, life MBA, but to be honest, never really looked looked back since. But that was, yeah, it was a big risk. Um, and but I, I guess having that blessing of people around you is helpful. And and I often talk about to, to kind of new entrepreneurs or wantrepreneurs, people who want to get going, you have gotta make sure you have got enough survival time. And what I mean by that is you've got enough time where you're not constantly thinking about cash <laughs> and the money's gonna run out. Because if you think like that, it's really hard to be creative and listen. And, and and change your products and your services and your approach when you're constantly worried about where the next pound will come and you know that's part of the journey but if you can create a little bit of survival time and i did that quite well with nicking that 52 days of compressed hours that was my so that was my opportunity to to learn about the sector without risking it all and, and it bought me enough survival time to be able to make sure that when we started with you know good products and services they, they were relevant and i'd done a lot of learning before we got going so you've got to make sure you have that at the beginning of the journey otherwise it puts too much pressure on on a newbie entrepreneur
0: So some of the people listening to this right now are people that work in schools, and some of those people would be people who would actually like to leave their school and go and do something on their own as well. What advice would you give to someone who maybe is just feeling a bit nervous about it? Someone said to
1: me, uh, which was a really, really good point about 10 years ago, the biggest the biggest reason startups fail is they forget they got to start. And I was like, that is a wicked piece of advice. Sometimes you just got to get going. You've just got to start. You've got to enjoy the process and the journey. And particularly if you are, in employment. There's, there's things that you can do. You don't always have to be sitting behind a desk writing a business plan. A lot of a lot of ideas and a lot of evolution happens when you're out on a walk with a dog or you're out on a run and you're scribbling down some notes. You can always find 10, 15, 20 minutes in a day, not necessarily sitting behind a desk, but to move an idea forward. So I'd get start, started is what I would say is number one. Number two, I love this phrase. I'm nicking people's phrases. I'm going to start taking credit for them. But the thinking ink phrase, Sir Clive Woodward talks about it, that you know, you're you're eighty percent more likely to do something if you uh if you if you write it down and indeed uh, remember it and learn it. So if you are, I'd, I'd get started. I'd be scribbling and writing everything down. What's going through the back of your head as well? Good old fashioned notepad and pen. And you'd be surprised at what can happen. And at the end of the day, the confidence will build for that process. And Don't risk it all, though. You don't have, I think we've gone past the days where you have to put your whole mortgage on or risk it all. You can get going a little bit on the side. That side hustle can kind of nudge away a little bit and the confidence can build. And then you can either keep it as a side hustle or you can make the jump. And I know a lot of heads, for example, want to get into the world of consultancy. You know, that's a common thing that I, I often hear at some point in their career but you can make little bits of progress and you can make sure you potentially got your first client when you do go jump rather than jumping and deciding today I'm a consultant and and then building up that pressure over time you can take that pressure off you so get started and thinking in
0: and do you feel? I mean, you just mentioned pressure there. Do you, do you still feel the pressure now? You know, given that you've that you've got staff that you need to pay, you've you've got monthly overheads and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, of course. Look, pressure is a privilege, and I, I feel you know. Look, running a business through the pandemic was like being punched in the face constantly. That was tough. That that was really, really, really tough. Like there was some dark days. Um, well, a hundred percent would have rather been at the beach than <laughs> than doing what we were doing. You know, you you go from taking that corporate risk, you build your. When I look back now, it was it was a developing small kind of services company education, but we were putting everything into it, and then overnight, it's taken away from you. You know, we had mass refunds. We had a. You know, a relatively growing team, but um, you know, still still a team of about 15 at the time, which was which was which was big as a, as a as a business for us. And then it nearly all goes. And I mean the pressure was was huge, you know, at that time. I remember my FD, well, I had a part-time FD sort of saying, right, we've got to we've got to go back to the drawing board day. By the end of the week, we might only be able to keep two people. And you're going, hang on, this is not what I signed up for when, <laughs> when I gallantly left IBM. And so I felt it then. Um, and then we've had since then, we've grown, had different challenges as well. I, I feel really proud of where we are today. But we had the collapse of a big private equity deal about 18, uh, about two years ago, uh, where we had an equity deal signed. And the, the partner never came through on their side. That put even more pressure on uh, sort of behind the scenes, which haven't often often talked about. But that that's when I felt felt it hard. Um, and then still, you, you kind of feel it every day in different kind of ways. But at the end of the day, it's, it's still a it's still a it's still a privilege you know we have a team now of I think 34 people we're operating in 15 different countries we still feel like we're just about to get going i don't feel like the party's got started yet which is a good feeling so the energy's high uh, but i don't think the the pressure will ever go away you just you just learn you learn how to control it you learn how to to kind of live with it as well you, you learn how to make sure it doesn't become all all consuming so there was a time maybe a year ago i was sort of reading to my boys before bed And I felt like I wasn't in the room. And I'm sure there's a lot of heads listening and people. I I was reading the book, but I was thinking about work. And I was like, I've got to get get on top of this because that's not the dad I want to be. So there's things that I try and do to... To, to mitigate that now I, I don't have emails on my phone um so you know I'm, I'm in the office or moving enough like i don't need to read an email first thing out in in the morning which kind of distracts me uh, around breakfast time so there's little things i'm doing just to make sure i can continue to handle the positive pressure that will continue to come with the with the business as it grows
0: what else do you do then to to relax when you're when you're when you're not at work when it's just you on your own
1: i'm a big runner um, so I, I talked to the team about the third dimension. Simon. So you've got you've got life, so life, you've got home and you've got work. So you've got home and you've got school. You've got to have like particularly now, uh, I don't know about, about yourself or the heads listening. I feel like I do a month's work in a week and a week's work in a day now with the explosion of uh, Zoom meetings in particularly. So you're intellectually. Like boom 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 all day long. So it's quite hard to unwind and therefore sleep. So you've got to have the third dimension, you know, what is in the diary for David Harkin week to week. And it's difficult, right? Because young family and, and growing business. But the big I'd say the big thing for me is 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 running. And I try and run uh, three or four times a week. I'm training for an ultra marathon at the end of the year or in September, so 100k in a day. If anybody's around on that on that day, it's the the Thames Path Challenge. But I really really enjoy it. Uh, like I I get it, well, I say that I enjoy that. It's, it's I enjoy it enough. But what I like about it is I'm not really thinking about work. I'm I'm beginning to de stress. I'm listening to a podcast. A little bit of um, my own kind of CPD. So so there's definitely that. There's the running, and then I guess it's just. Sport in general, like, you know, it's, it's the cricket, rugby, football house at the moment for us. So the weekends on Sunday mornings is, is at the rugby club, and that's. I've got the under five, Simon. So I'm coaching <laughs> I'm coaching the under fives, fours, and threes, which is uh, which I actually selfishly love because you know with the business growing, sometimes it's harder to to get time to work with the students as as, as the rest of the team does. So so running for sure, and then it's just I guess it's a busy family life and, and 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 doing what most families do, which is which is which is keep busy and try and keep their children happy.
0: And I was scoping out the eight billion ideas website before uh, what yesterday actually in preparation for this. Tell me something about Roxy.
1: Roxy. Well, we've got we've got a number. Well, Roxy, we've got a number of uh, different dogs and stuff in the uh, in 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 the business. So we've got Roxy. We've got Penny. Um, we've, we've got quite a lot. It seems to be quite a lot of dog lovers. But we know we've got, uh, so, so Roxy's a cute little one. <laughs> but we've got a team, team of 34. We, we've got great diversity um, in age and culture and background. We've got lots of people with young kids as well. So what we're trying to do is um, we're about to change offices, but we're about to, we, we're really keen to have a kind of a dog section I'm not sure where a dog's in a cat section but um you know that could be a bit a bit busy in the office but we want to make sure we've also got a place where the any of the young kids can sort of come in if they're just doing their homework for an hour or two or sort of or sort of playing I love the fact that my boys you know know quite a lot of the people in the business I've got three, three lads at home so it's quite funny when they walk in and they're sort of chirping up or talking to the team or picking up the post um that that was a i loved it when i saw toby did that a a while ago sort of picked up the post from the front door and brought it to me you know just growing up in a business um but yeah we try and make it fun We, we we try and make sure that if partners or children or or dogs like Roxy want to come into the office, that they're more than welcome.
0: No, I, I love that. I love that, David. Just keeping an eye on time here, but a couple of quick fire questions. Uh, the podcast is called "I'd Rather Be at the Beach." What's what's the best beach you've ever been to?
1: Oh, what a good question! Oh, it's my. um We went to Tanzania, um Zanzibar, uh, for our honeymoon, and we had. A terrible trip from the airport to the hotel, but when we got to the hotel, the beach was absolutely stunning. So that was one which definitely springs to to mind. And then the second one, I'm going to get two in there, is I do enjoy the, I know some people with with a young family, the Atlantis. I say it, it sounds like I go to these places all the time, but Atlantis in Dubai, that is a cracking beach. But yeah, they're the two which would spring to mind.
0: Actually, just talking about Dubai for a second, what is it about Dubai that appeals? Because some people tend to love it, some people really don't like it at all. Some people like going there for a few days, but then they quite like to get out of Dubai and come back to the UK again. How about you?
1: Dubai has changed massively. I I get I get people's opinion. Um, I think I've been to Dubai about forty times in and out for for travelling and stuff. And now I'm there um, at least once a month for for probably five or six days minimum, maybe up to ten days. And but Dubai, every time I go back to Dubai, Dubai is changing in a positive way. Is what I'm seeing. So different people have different opinions. It sometimes comes back to when did you get to Dubai last time? (laughs) Because walking around the malls uh, five six years ago is a completely different experience to today. So for us, you um, nearly sixty uh, percent of our business is international now, and uh, maybe two thirds of that's coming out of the Middle East. So that that's why it's it it's why I'm there often. But I do genuinely love the place. You've got you've got. In nearly 500 schools in Dubai and Abu Dhabi It's the sheer concentration of schools like on top of each other is actually really beneficial for education because it's pushing all of them like they're the, the highly competitive area of the planet but because you walk down the road and you pass six schools you know they're all trying to push each other in, in a really really good way so you see decision making quick over there you see you, you see very entrepreneurial activities happening in the schools very entrepreneurial activities but yeah I'm, I'm back and forth so I would say if you've, if you've got a perception in Dubai give it a second chance uh, because it has moved on a lot um, in, in a positive way and, and I think it's setting the tone for the Middle East as well.
0: No, I love I love that. And last question, give me the name of one beach you've never been to that you'd like to go to. I've never been to the Maldives. I'm
1: not, I don't, you tell me a beach, Simon, in the Maldives or if there are beaches but I would love to have a... I'd love to go to the Maldives with my my wife. I'm just trying to add in. I'd love like to go to the Maldives with my wife and children. I'm just trying to work out if the and children bit is happening there, but 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 for sure that, that there would be whether or not that's a beach, but just a beautiful place of the world. I'd love to do that. We're, we're looking forward to travelling a bit more. It's been it's been obviously difficult for everybody, and then for us as a family. At one point, I mean, last year my wife had viral meningitis she had covid with the third child we had all this stuff going on so every time we thought we were going to get on a plane just to go somewhere in europe or somewhere close uh, it just didn't happen so we're hoping maybe we get to a beach this summer we certainly deserve it in the harkin household so fingers crossed
0: let's keep those fingers crossed and hopefully that'll happen but in the meantime david thank you for your time it's been great talking to you this morning uh, i appreciate that especially at this time of day so uh, i'm going to leave you to crack on with your day but thank you very much
1: thank you very much thank you sam have a great day
0: so that was David Harkin, CEO of 8 Billion Ideas. What a great name for a business too, by the way. Easy to remember and it makes you instantly curious. Now to connect with David, search him up on LinkedIn or drop him an email. He gave it to me after we finished recording and he said it's okay to share it here on the outro. It's david at 8billionideas.com. That's number eight, 8billionideas.com. David, a big thank you to you for joining us on this recording. Good luck with the ultramarathon. Keep us updated on your progress. Now, if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, then do please drop me a message. I'm simon at thebonjouragency.com. We make podcasts for school marketing to help connect you with your school community, to drive up new inquiries from prospective parents. To find out more, check out our website www.thebonjouragency.com or give me a call on 020-7858-2246. But in the meantime, the next episode's coming out soon, so click that option to follow or subscribe and it just means you won't miss it. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.